Welcome to episode 33 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Ronnie Selig. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for dropping in. I am Rich Roll. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. What is this thing? What do we do here? Well, uh, I started this podcast back in December with the simple goal of bringing to you some of the brightest and most forward-thinking personalities in health, fitness, nutrition, and generally wellness-oriented subject matters. Uh, I've had the good fortune over the last couple of years to meet a lot of wildly compelling people and personalities and This podcast really was established as a forum to be able to share with you much of what I've learned, and it helps me as much as it helps you because I'm continuing to learn with every guest. I've had all kinds of people on the show, everybody from entrepreneurs to world-class athletes to nutritionists to doctors, MMA fighters, triathletes, marathon runners, people in the nonprofit sector, but everybody with a unique and interesting and important perspective on some subject matter which relates either directly or tangentially to health, creativity, nutrition, or athletic performance. Um, Thanks for dropping in again. I really appreciate you guys. We just, uh, as I said in my last episode, we just passed half a million downloads, which is crazy. And I'm so honored to have this audience. Uh, I don't take it lightly. And it's, if it's done anything, it's just encouraged me to take everything to the next level and be as professional and on par as I can be with the content that I'm delivering to you. Which brings me to my next point, which is that I'm very glad to be bringing you a second episode in the same week. Uh, I've been saying for a while that I wanted to get it to two episodes a week. Now here we are. Um, It hasn't been that way for a while. So just in time for your weekend listening enjoyment, we have another great episode for you today. Um, want to support the show? We have a couple ways to do that. We have a donate button at richroll.com. It's on the podcast page or on the blog page. Click that. You can throw a few bucks our way. You can subscribe on a monthly basis or a weekly basis, but hey, you don't have to. Show's free. It's always going to be free. But if you feel like you've gotten a lot out of it and just want to throw a few nickels our way in in good faith and in goodwill. Uh, We appreciate it. We're using all of that money that we're receiving. And thank you for everybody who has donated. We're using the money to kind of take the show to the next professional level. I'm going to be hiring a producer and I'm looking for a dedicated space to host the podcast. So it's all going back in to create a scenario in which I can consistently provide you more and more episodes on a more regular basis with a higher uh, bar in terms of audio quality and professionalism. Um, What else can you do? Well, you can go to iTunes and leave us a nice comment or a five-star review. How about that? Won't cost you a penny to do that. And uh, we love it. We love all the comments on iTunes. Thank you, all you guys who've done. I think we've got like 360 uh, comments up there so far, or, or, uh, and I think, you know, 99% of them are five stars. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And I'm glad people are enjoying the program. Um, Father's Day is coming up. What are you going to do? Well, hey, Finding Ultra just came out on paperback, right? What are you going to do to get that? Well, you can go to the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. It's right there on the podcast page or on the blog page. 
just click that. It takes you to Amazon, pick up the paperback, have it sent to your dad for Father's Day and or pick up whatever else you want to get on Amazon. And when you use that banner at it, it throws a few nickels our way, helps keep the lights on and uh, the bandwidth flowing so we can keep doing what we do. And uh, a lot of you guys are using it. I really appreciate that. It doesn't cost you guys anything extra. Um, The money comes from Amazon, not out of your pocket. And uh, if you want to make it even easier, you can just take the link that 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 banner ad takes you to and put it up into your into your uh, browser menu bar. So you always have it there and you can click that and know that you're supporting us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Like I said, the paperback did come out. It's been exciting uh, getting feedback on that. And I think I just Instagrammed the other day. The book uh, has not been translated into Spanish. It has not been translated into German or Italian, but it has been translated into Slovenian. So go figure. I just Instagrammed the other day the cover of the Slovenian version of the book. They've retitled it just Ultraman. It's not called Finding Ultra there, but that's pretty cool. You can check out my Instagram page. It's just Instagram.com uh, forward slash Rich Roll. And you can find me on Twitter at Rich Roll. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook fan page is Rich Roll Fans, Facebook.com forward slash Rich Roll Fans. What else? I think that's about it. Let's get into our guest today. Today we have Ronnie Selig. Who is Ronnie Selig? Well, Ronnie is the director of the medical health and wellness unit at CNN. Essentially, she lords over everything health-related at CNN out of their New York headquarters at Columbus Circle. It's a pretty heavy job, man. She's got a lot of responsibility there. And uh, not only that, um, she's a passionate triathlete. And so I thought, I've always thought since the moment I met her that she would make a great guest for the show because she's balancing this incredibly demanding job with training and racing at a very high level. She does quite well in her racing pursuits. And I wanted to get into how she balances all of that, the demands of her job against the training and the racing and also being married and having kids. You know, she's got a family and she's a great example of somebody, you know, when you say, oh, well, you know, I'd love to do that, but you know, I got kids or, you know, my job is too demanding or whatever. I can't, it's hard to imagine somebody with a more demanding job than, than what she has. And somehow she finds a way to get it done. So we get into how she gets it done. And I think you will find it uh, more than inspiring. And in addition to that, she oversees the CNN Fit Nation program. CNN Fit Nation, she'll tell you more about it in the interview, but essentially they they accept submissions every year from a wide variety of people. They cast a wide net looking for people who are going through a challenging time or have had health struggles and have a dream of doing a triathlon. They pick a group of a small group of people and then they mentor and coach them over the course of a year and prepare them to do a race. And last year, the race was the Nautica Malibu Triathlon, and they all came out to my neck of the woods to do the race, and we had the good fortune of hosting them all at our house the night before the race and had the whole CNN crew here, which was really fun, and getting to know Ronnie uh, both in her office and outside the office. Uh, the more I get to know about her, the more I'm, I am impressed with uh, who she is and, and what she does and the service that she brings to every aspect of her life. 
Hey, everybody. Like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost, science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well being, courtesy of a doable, evidence based 12 week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested, or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing, 
I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. I'm excited to share this interview with her. I love her to death. She's the best. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Selig. I've been trying to do it right. I've been living a lonely life. I've been sleeping here instead. I've been sleeping in my bed. Sleeping in my bed. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Rich. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for coming back. I know. Take two. Take two. Does everybody right. know why? Take two. No, let's tell the story. So, uh, I was in New York. What was that? A month ago now? Has it been? It's been it's, about a month. It's been actually a month to almost to the date. Yes. Right. So Ronnie was nice enough uh, to take time out of her extremely busy day as director of the health and wellness and medical unit here at CNN mm-hmm. <laughs> to sit down and do a podcast with me, and we got to know each other uh, over the last couple of years as a result of CNN Fit Nation and some yeah. other stuff. And we were catching up and... Uh, and we were going to do this. Interview. We were getting ready to do it, but we were just kind of socializing and catching up. And as you might imagine, uh, everybody at CNN has multiple flat screens in their office, right? And right. your office is right off like, would you call that, is that a, the newsroom right off your yes. office? Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and and right as we're talking, uh, the explosion happened at the Boston Marathon. Right. Right. And we saw the breaking news come up and I saw smoke on the screen and and then I said, hang on, Rich. And uh, we went into full breaking news mode um, for a very, very, very sad story, which took over much of our broadcast, our, our you know, our coverage for, for a couple of weeks. Right. I mean, what was interesting was that when it first occurred, it was it was pretty difficult to tell whether it was something serious or not. Right. Because for all we knew, you know, the, a trash can caught on fire or right. something like that, and and it was it was unfolding in real time. And I had the amazing privilege of being able to sit there. I was I felt so weird. I was like, I need to get out of here. Like, you know, the, the, there's real work happening here, and I'm in the way. Um, but I I had the good fortune, well, you know, the good fortune to be observing something uh, that was not so fortuitous, but to be able to see up, up close and personal how a real, you know, national top flight news organization responds and jumps into action when something like that occurs. It was amazing. Oh, well, um, it is part of the job and um, what the, I think really what the world relies on us for in terms of, uh, you know, one of our hallmark hallmarks of our brand is these, you know, incredibly um, extensive 
you know, stories that people want to know all the facts about and the who, what, where, when, why, and especially in this situation when, you know, we eventually found out that so many bystanders have been, right. you know, you know, a few uh, unfortunately died, but others really maimed and really, really severely hurt. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah, horrible. it was very much in our in in our wheelhouse of what CNN Health, Wellness, and Medical does. So right. it was, you know, really, um, it, it it you know it was all consuming. But we have the top top notch reporters and researchers and producers, and you know everybody comes together and. Um, you know, we, um, we we try to do our best to report it out in in real time. You know, right. get the facts all right, and and not and not serve it any less. I mean, I remember it pretty crystal clear. It was a Monday, uh, and the reason I remember it was a Patriot's Monday day. is because uh, that's the day that Sanjay is in the operating room, right? Yes. And and as most of you may know, Sanjay doesn't live in New York; he lives in Atlanta, um, and. Uh, and so you were trying to figure out how to get him to, you know, get him there and get on the phone with him and find yeah, out. For how, the and next you're day. like, Anderson's on a plane and we got to, you know, and, yeah. and you were working two phones and then you're like, can I borrow your phone? And you were working three phones <laughs> and right. on the email. <laughs> and, right. uh, and I was like, well, I don't know what else any single person could be doing right now, <laughs> you know, other than what you were doing at right. the time. But also kind of bearing in mind the pressures, you know, brought to bear by this this culture of instantaneous media yeah. that we live in with Twitter right. and everything else and and how that kind of impacts, um, you know, how CNN covers it. Because there's this in, internal tension between immediacy and accuracy that well, comes into play. And that is a huge talking point um, in our business today because with, twi- with Twitter and instant, you know, in Facebook and things that are coming across, um, you know, in the social media landscape, you know, you're hearing things like, you know, I saw somebody's body part or something very serious like that. And you're mm-hmm. wondering, could that actually be true? Wow, that, that, that's, that's too much. That's, that's kind of mind numbing. That's right. too much. And, and you're really, you know, you have to, we have to do our own reporting. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfortunately that did turn out to be true because we did learn that, um, um, that, you know, in the end, there were 13 people who needed amputations and, and different things that happened. So, um, so uh, yes, yeah, so balancing immediacy and accuracy um, is the hallmark of what we do. And um, we strive to be right. And, yeah. and, um, and, that's, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But so. it's definitely, I'm sure, changed kind of the, the pressures and the, and the, you know, this sort of way you go about reporting in some respect, just to be in the back of your mind, knowing like immediacy is more important than it, than it used to be. And, and, uh, it's that, that creates a, a challenge for you guys, I would imagine. Right. Well, we'd rather be right than yeah, first. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. And we so, appreciate you being right. Yes, definitely. So, definitely. but anyway, eventually I snuck out of there and yeah, you, <laughs> did, you, you kind of slipped job. out. You slithered I out. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing a podcast today. That's not happening. I know. I felt bad. Um, no, but, not feel bad. I mean, it, you know, this no. is, this is real life. This is real yeah. news. This is what you do. I'm amazed that we're sitting here now and that you're willing to even, you know, take an hour out of your, you know, incredibly busy day and doing what you do to, to even talk to me. So well, thanks. we share the same passion. We do. Let's talk for about sure. that. For sure. Yeah. We both found our way into, uh, into triathlon or endurance sports um, in our own unique ways, but also kind of, you know, this sort of shared uh, pain motivation, I guess, you know, that seems to be a commonality. A lot of people arrive in marathon running, you know, in the, in the wake of um, a challenge in their life. And that certainly was the situation with me. And you have a really interesting story, too, about, about how 
about how multi-sport came into your life. What is that? Yeah. Well, um, I'll try to be brief, but, um, you don't the, have to be brief. Okay. It's a podcast. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you good be point. as long-winded that's as you want. Right, that's a good point. Um, I was not an athlete as a child. Let's just put it this way. I was mm-hmm. Red Rover, Red Rover, don't send Ronnie over. You know, I mean, I, um, was, uh, you know, uh, kind of an awkward, um, you know, kind of chunky kid, you know, through adolescence and high school and didn't really have any athleticism. I was a gleek. I was the glee club, glee club singer, mm-hmm. you know, drama person, not the sporty spice. And so, um, never really thought of myself as anything like the word athlete. That, that, that those things were completely, um, non-related to me. And so, um, mutually exclusive. And so, um, what happened was um, I, um, you know, I had done a couple of 10K runs in my 20s. Um, I was living in Cape Cod in the summers and um, in college and whatnot. And um, my, my family had a, a house there when, from when we were, were younger. And um, my, a couple of things kind of all, you know, kind of came together at the same time, which were very disturbing for me, as you know, as you might imagine, my father-in-law got pancreatic cancer and he passed away. Then six months, uh, excuse me, and then, excuse me, prior to that, my own father had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He passed away. And then six months later, my father-in-law died of pancreatic cancer. Then I was um, working for a company who decided to um, basically, you know, cut back on, you know, staffing and they laid off a whole lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I was part of that kind of dot-com bust, you might say. Um, And so I was out of a job. And then my husband was out of a job. So we, and we had two small kids in New York City. um, And it's uh, not an easy place to, you know, to to live if you don't have an income, let's say, (laughs) never mind anywhere else in the country. To put it mildly. So, um all of these things kind of came together at once and it was pretty um, astounding. And I thought, okay, well, as I said in a, a blog I wrote, I can like pretty much, I can start drinking really heavily and try to mind numb and body numb myself. That's, or what, I I w- that's what I would have done. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> and, um, um, or I can try to, you know, get it together a little bit and, and, and what can I do? Cause I really am a person who really likes structure. And mm-hmm. um, I love organization, which is probably why I love triathlon, which we can get into eventually yeah. because you have to be both for the, I think, that sport. Yeah, I think people that – I mean I work really well with structure and organization as well. Um, that's when I, I – you know, within the confines of those walls, I perform best. And I think endurance sports lends itself to people that are prone to that kind of thing, right? Exactly, exactly. And, it, and, and so what I started doing, I had a membership for um, a JCC um, in New York and I just started um, dropping my kids off at school and walking two blocks over to the JCC on 76th in Amsterdam here in New York City. And I just started swimming almost every morning. And um, I wasn't even I wasn't a trained swimmer. I just I just needed to have some kind of structure at that point. Right, to do you knew how to physical. swim, but you I didn't knew how to have, swim. You, you, it's not like you'd been on the swim team for years or anything. Never swim team. No, mm-hmm. I was a junior lifesaver in camp. You know, in right. in, the, in the late sixties. Um, so I I thought, okay, the water water seems to feel like a cleansing feeling to me. Even now when I race, that's my actually favorite part of the race is the swim. There's a healing and cleansing. Uh, you know, obviously you can't be distracted by electronics. You are one with the water. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it's really rough water, but so I started swimming, swimming, swimming. And, um, 
one day I was, um, and, and I had no goal in mind just to swim and try to work out in my mind for an hour what my moves were going to be. Where, who was I going to interview with? Was I going to freelance? What job would I, what, what did I want? What would I go for? What was available, et cetera, et cetera. How would I, you know, pay my bills, what, what not. So uh, I walked into the deli, you know, next, pretty much next to our apartment on Broadway and I um, saw these, uh, these pamphlets and these leaflets there in these little kind of holders on the um, counter. And it said, team in training, you know, raising money for leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it kind of hit me almost like it lit up in a way. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it went bing like that. And I sort of like said, wow. And I picked up the, the pamphlet and I brought it home and I read it. And I didn't, even, I didn't know what multi-sport was at that point. I knew nothing about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read it and it said, if you want to come to an informational session, please show up at da, da, da. So, um, I, uh, I went to the informational session and I loved the vibe of the room. It's kind of like your vibe. It's mm-hmm. the kind of this kind of cool, collected, like confident, but not, but, but humble, um, and, um, very, um, centered, flowy kind of vibe. You Is know? that my vibe? It is your vibe. Good. I'm going to quote you on that. Yeah. No, that's a really good vibe. <laughs> you know, like you got it together, but you're not going to like show off about it. You're not going to walk into people and say, hey, yeah, I'm an ultra marathon or an I run. Da, da. I mean, it was really kind of a cool environment. They had all these people in the front. It was at the YMCA in uh, in the, you know, in uh, the Upper West Side and people in the front, they were just standing there kind of like watching everybody coming in. They were very friendly and, you know, they want you to succeed, but they also want you to raise money for a very important organization. Um which team and training is the largest from, from what I know, they're the largest fundraisers of leukemia and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which my father died of. Mm-hmm. So I had a cause and a purpose. So I did the training. Um, I raised the money. I got to a week before the New York City triathlon. That was the particular first race that I was going to be, well, only race at that point that right. I thought I was going to be doing. And this was, this was like, you know, kind of like a one and done for me. I pretty much thought it was really hard to raise money. Um, I'm very, it's very difficult for me to ask people for money and, um, even for a charitable cause, just something that I find hard to do. So, but I got there and then, um, there was, uh, all the training sessions that we had. There was one training session up at a pool. A, it's a, it's a state pool up at Riverbank state park, which is currently now where I swim for training. And it was with everybody. And they said, okay, we're going to simulate a swim and everybody in the pool at the same time, it's a timed workout because we want to make sure that you can do it. Right. So we all kind of jump in one after another. It was almost like, you know, like, you know, go, 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 like almost like you were diving, getting off a dock in, in a race. And um, and we had to go up and down the lanes. It's a huge pool and come back around and whatever. So for a mile. And so I did it. I jumped in. And when I, just as I jumped in, I sort of felt a pressure on my right metatarsal, the baby toe of the right foot. And I went, wow, that kind of, that was a hard hit. Somebody must have just kicked my foot or something. So as I swimming, 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 like maybe I would say three minutes later, my foot starts throbbing. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And this, this didn't. This just happened from sort of jumping in the pool, like putting pressure on your toe. No, you... it actually happened. Somebody hit me with their foot, like uh-huh. in an unfortunate angle. That just their pressure from my foot went right into the metatarsal, like a boom, like that. Like, right. You know, kind of side to side kicking, 
because we're all in there at once. And it was pretty confined space. So um, one of the, of course, you know, as we all know, swimming is a contact sport and triathlon. Right. So unfortunately, it was my very first practice of, the, of that magnitude. By the time I got out of the pool, after the time swim, I did it. I literally could not stand up on the right foot. I had no, I, I mean, it was da- it was damaged. I had no idea what I had done. It's such a freakish, weird way to injure your foot. It I really mean. is freakish and weird. But when you think about it at the end of the day, if, you know, you're going to get hauled out of a race a week before, you have to think there was a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a dangerous sport. There are things that can happen. And so to this day, I still think somebody must have, or somebody, you know, maybe my father, who knows, whatever, somebody's watching out for me. And I wasn't meant to race that particular Sunday, you know, of that week. So the next morning I get right to my orthopedic, you know, how many times do we see our orthopedics a year? Mm -hmm. Many (laughs) being triathletes. And she, I remembered exactly. I said, I have a race this Sunday and I really, really want to do it. And she's looking at me and she's looking at my foot blown up and you know, I'm sure like they see lots of injuries, but I was in denial. And she goes, well, you know, if it's damp, if it's broken, you can't race. And I'm like, well, it's not broken. I mean, it's probably just a really bad bruise. Mm-hmm. She comes back and she shakes her head no, left to right like this, no. And she's got the, you know, the report in her hands and she says, it's broken. You can't race Sunday. And at that point, the waterworks were turned on. And I'm like, and I'm literally hysterically crying. Well, it's this vulnerable place that you're in. I mean, you've had these two deaths and then the two layoffs. And then you kind of find this lifeline with team and training that seems it's like this confluence of events where, um, you know, you were you were kind of pushed into this world. And then you see the flyer and it's raising money for, you know, a cause that's clearly important to you. And the stakes get higher and higher and higher. And it's your first race and yeah. everything that goes into that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that, you know, you had an emotional breakdown. It was that. very emotional. And they, I think they felt so bad for me. And, um, but the, the silver lining in it was that, you know, when I went, I called them the next day and whatnot. And of course it was in a boot. Um, they said, well, you can do the next team and training race because you've already raised the money. So you can do the Westchester triathlon in September. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Great. So, I mean, it wasn't New York City, but great. And as it turned out, the Westchester Triathlon sort of became my most favorite race that I had done year after year after year. It's not an easy race. There's some great, great hills in that in that race. Um, it's in Rye, New York. Um, at it's like the, an Olympic distance. It's an Olympic race. distance, mm-hmm. same distance as the New York, New York City one. But um, do you remember? Um, um, the movie Big, where Tom Hanks goes up to Zotar and like in the in the in the amusement park, where he's like asking, you know, he where he gets yeah, his vaguely. wish to be little again. Yeah, you're you pushing know? the my memory big, banks. Right, so. all right, right. So anyway, <laughs> he's actually he's you know he's um he's a little boy and he wants to be big and so he puts the coins into the machine and yes, this machine. I do remember it's that, that yeah. amusement park gotcha. where you know this movie was filmed with Tom Hanks and so um I, it was very nostalgic, you know. Kind of like old, you know, an old kind of like you know, um, you know, kind of Art Deco-y feeling to it. So it had a, the history to it, and it's a really great race. And I, I did it for many, many, many years, and I still, when I'm around, I still do it. And it's now it has very significant meaning to me because it was my first Olympic, <laughs> and mm-hmm. when I crossed the finish line of that race, that is when I fell in love with triathlon. Mm-hmm. I literally said I have never felt this kinds of joy 
since the birth of my children and getting married to my husband, Stuart, and, you know, the kinds of things that elate you in life. And this was an elevated feeling. And it wasn't just endorphins. I would promise you that because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I know that high. It, it was a different high. It was a lifestyle fix. Right. And that's what it became for me from that moment on. And it's been maybe what I guess it's been 12 years now. Right. And I had that experience as well. And I think that that's a common experience, this transformation that occurs uh, when you discover, you know, whether it's marathon running or even a 10K or even a 5K for a lot of people or a triathlon. I mean, what do you think, like, what it, what is it? What is it about endurance sports that has that effect on so many people? Is it just, you know, I don't know that, you know, the tough mutter you know, has that kind of impact on, so, I mean, maybe it does, I don't know, but there, there seems to be something kind of innate and specific to, to, you know, this world that, that really seems right. to change lives in a, in a, in a significant way. Right. Well, I will say the multi-sport aspect of it, um, really helps with the cross training because if you're just running or just swimming or just biking or just doing one thing, I think it can get boring. Like, let's all, fa- you know, mm-hmm. face it. Just going to the gym to me is, I don't even belong to a gym, right. okay? The gym is really, to me, very boring. There's I, no- I have such a hard time going to the gym. Exactly. Too, yeah. I don't even belong. My gym is Central Park, okay? I, belo- I pay two bucks or three bucks for the 50 meters at Riverbank State Park or two bucks for the 25 yard, well, yards versus meters. But I don't, be- I don't pay for a gym because it just sounds just awful. And I've had really great gyms that I've been able to be a part of. It just, it's not working for me. So being outside, I think in triathlon is really special that you can be in the fresh air, which we are always inside with Mm -hmm. oftentimes I don't have a job that keeps me outside all day. Um, But I think the, one of the things about the the triathlon lifestyle and what a lot of people have said is that for people who like to challenge themselves and um, and 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 have and, and ha- like to have goals, set goals, to be able to keep up and be fit. Um, having a goal of a of a of a an Olympic or a sprint or half iron or even an Ironman someday, you know, um, those setting those goals for yourself um, really helps you with the training because the training is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, training six seven days a week sometimes. You know. Um, seven days is extreme. So I'm going to say five to six because, you know, as I age, I need that time off for, to repair my body. But, um, I think that discipline is very, very important. And it does, when we go back to the whole idea of structure, having structure in your life, um, I, you know, it really, it really helps. And, um, it's also, um, it's mostly mental. I mean, when I started the swimming, which I failed to say earlier, it was mental, I had no idea that the physical results were going to come from right. just swimming. It was all to keep my head together. So, um, triathlon and the, and the training is very, it's, it's somewhat Zen to be honest with you. It's very yeah. in the present moment. Very much so. And I think that that elation or that kind of emotional release or cathartic, you know, reaction of crossing the finish line, there is obviously the jubilance of, of having achieved something that maybe you didn't think was possible. But I think that, that, that sort of emotional discharge really has to do with kind of something you touched on, which is it represents a change in your lifestyle because you're not getting across that finish line 
unless you have altered kind of the way that you live your life day in and day out. And it's sort of a triumphant, you know, stamp saying, I changed my life, you know, and, and I'm enjoying this and I can continue to do this. And, and that extends beyond, you know, whatever your time was or the fact that you achieved that race. It's, it's about your life. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years. And I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. I was training for triathlon, you know, even after team and training when I became hooked by myself. And I must say it was much harder than when I joined um, my team that I'm on locally here in New York called Team Lipstick, which is an all women's mm -hmm. triathlon team, which is kind of like a sporty sorority, you might say, right. um, with with women of, you know, all walks of life and uh, ages from, you know, 20 to, you know, 60, whatever. And, um this is a group of women who support each other. And once I became connected to them, and I actually found them by accident also at Riverbank, you know, a bad thing happened there to me and a good thing happened to me there. Um, and I was there on a, a, swim, a solo swim for myself in the morning on a Sunday morning. And I saw all these girls with these lipstick, team lipstick swim caps on. And I'm like, walk over to this gal. And I'm like, what is this? She's like, this is an all-women's triathlon team. I'm like, I'm in, you know? Uh -huh. And so, um, you know, kind of finding that kismetly in, in that way just was, uh, was a blessing. And so right. now I, I'm not if – they're, if, they're, if they can show up at 545 in Central Park and it's 30 degrees or 32 degrees, I can too. And you, you have that kind of um, – that, 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 you know, you have that support structure. And I right. think that that really, really makes a difference. I yeah. don't know how you do it by yourself. You run a lot by yourself. I know, but I'm a lone wolf that way. Like I, I, I like the time – I mean, you know, my, my household is so crazy. Like I, I kind of like the peace of doing it by myself. But also, you know, people all the time say to me, how do I get started? How do I get going? And I say find a group that's doing it. Like yeah. make it a, a social outlet for right. yourself. So that way it's fun. And you're surrounded by people that are like-minded and have similar, if not the same goal. 
And there's an accountability that comes with that, That's too. True. Like if all if you know in the back of your mind, even if they don't care that they're going to be showing up at 545 for a workout and they're going to know whether you're there or not, um, you know, you go, well, there's that little added kind of n- like nudge or pressure that gets you out of the bed, out of the bed in the morning and gets you there. Right. Right. And you want to see these people because you like them and they're mm-hmm. there to support you and cheer you on. And B, you have you do have this goal. I mean, you do want to you do want to you do. It's not about winning. It's not about, you know, being the necessary. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm not a professional. I'm a age grouper. So yeah, but from, you're, you're fast too. I, I mean, I'm yeah. trying for my age to be fast, yeah, but, are. but, but, you know, sort of like the, the point, the point is, is that, uh, you know, I, I want to live a long time and I want to be healthy. And from all the studies and reports that I've read, given what I do, fit, being fit is, gives you a leg up. It's an advantage. And mm-hmm. so if I can, you know, kind of cheat the, uh, cheat the age process, cheat the age process a little bit, um, you know, so be it. And, um, right. uh, and I want to be a good role model for my kids also who are teenagers and who are pretty like happy to be in front of the TV a mm-hmm. lot. Right. And I want to get into the balance thing and the family life thing in a minute, but, but first I want to harken back to something you said earlier, which is that you were originally motivated to kind of show up at the pool because you had a lot on your mind or you were under a lot of pressure with all these sort of things that were happening. And you went there to kind of sort out in your mind, you know, answers to these, you know, dilemmas that you were facing. And, and that's something that I think is powerful. And, and I have that too. There's something weird about uh, endurance sports or the training, whether it's running or, or swimming, where you're able to kind of, you know, ruminate maybe even on an unconscious level about these things that are going on. And when you're done with your workout and then you're walking around or whatever, boom, like the solution kind of like, mm-hmm. I always have like, if I'm stuck in my writing or whatever it is that I'm doing, like I, I go out and I do my training session. And oftentimes a lot of these problems that seem unsolvable, I, I end up figuring out how to solve them. Well, I completely agree. And um, it, it's a really good reflection, a time to reflect on yourself, to have self-reflection that you know, you are alone with yourself and you can say, you can be critical of yourself. You can say, you know, I would have done something differently. I mean, you are, it's almost like self-therapy in a way mm-hmm. because you do have that time. You are, if you are in the pool or you are running or whatever, you have that time to be, you are alone with your thoughts. I used to run with music until I became, I kept getting injured because I was really pounding away to the music. And finally, Matt, our running coach, Matt Wilpers, our running coach from Team Lipstick said to me, stop with the music because you're just going to keep getting injured. And I was having one injury after another. And the minute I stopped running with music, I was focusing on my footing and my pacing and my heart rate, looking at my, my, you know, my heart rate monitor, et cetera. And I was really now, I was in the moment. Yeah, you're present in what you're doing. Exactly. And I think that's all the more precious these days. I mean, you know, it's so hard to peel your eyes away from the Blackberry or the iPhone or whatever's going on in your life. And that's the one time where you can actually flip the switch and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to disconnect for this time. This is my time. And, uh, and, and right. there's a lot of value in that. You got to respect that, I think. Right. And, you know, people will often say, well, you know, I have small children or I have a family, whatever. I mean, if, 
you know, if, if you have, if you have anybody, if you do have small children and I have, there are women on our team that have small children. If you have a support system in any way and you can get people to come in and watch your kids for the hour or 90 minutes or whatever it is and somehow fit it into your schedule and want to do it, it's doable. You know, you may not get in as many workouts as you want, but you know, there, if there's a will, there's definitely a way. And, yeah. um, and, and I think especially moms, you know, because I, when I had my children, I gained a tremendous amount of weight with each of my children. I was 205 pounds with my second kid because I was on bed rest. And um, I had two C-sections and, you know, carrying around that kind of weight, I was so uncomfortable. And then even after my son Noah was born, I was probably a good 25 pounds or 20 pounds overweight, you know, at least two or three dress sizes where, you know, I would feel comfortable. And the funny thing is, is that when I started this journey in the pool, I never really expected, I wasn't doing it to lose weight or anything. I was doing it because I was like falling apart in my brain, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, hence I got this incredible side benefit of an athlete's body, which, you know, people advertise on TV all the time for, you know, right. and, um, and it was really, um, just a side benefit that, you know, people always say to me, Oh, how'd you get those arms or whatever? And I'm like, oh, I swim, whatever, yeah. you know? So it's but just, also, it's, Im- a- it's important to recognize that when you started, you didn't know where that was going to lead you. You were just no. doing it. You felt compelled to do this for whatever reason you were being led into doing it. And, uh, and you were open to whatever possibility. It wasn't like, I'm going to do a triathlon, so I'm going to the pool. I mean, it just kind of evolved organically over yeah. time. And, and, you know, that kind of happened to me too. Um, and, and I think the lesson in that is staying out of judgment, you know, whether it's, you know, the judgment of, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do the New York triathlon. You know, I have to, I have this broken foot and being hard on yourself and just, letting go and let the adventure carry you where it's going to carry you and, and reserve that judgment and, uh-oh, breaking news. You know <laughs> One second. Hello? I told Ronnie she, uh, could, this she, is Ronnie. Could, uh, she could keep herself yeah, on. Yeah, um, O'Neill, I'm actually happened. doing Rich Roll's podcast right now um, <laughs> in the uh, conference room on the fifth floor. Okay, I'll call you in a little while. Is it urgent? Okay. This is the life. Okay. This is the life of a CNN okay. producer. I will totally. I'll uh, give you a shout out. Okay, sorry. Bye. <laughs> sorry. <right. laughs> sorry. That See, was you our... can't do that on radio. You can do that on a podcast. No problem. That's true. That's true. Right? That's like kind of rude. That was um, our publicist, who um, uh, Neil Kirzada, who's um, wants to talk to me about Sanjay Gupta's next documentary um, that's going to be airing in August. It's called Weed, and it's all about um, oh, wow. marijuana and the. Um, the uh, how the how marijuana basically affects your whole health. So yeah, interesting. Uh, that'll that'll be on in uh, in in August. Oh, in August. So, yeah. So we've got a little while to go, but um, it's been uh, it's been uh, in the works for almost. Um, yeah, I think I remember him tweeting about you know doing some background on that quite a while ago. Yeah, so he, he's, he's been, been all over the world time. talking about mm-hmm. uh, talking to experts about marijuana, medical marijuana, and. And, you know, just marijuana in general. So how, so that is a, that's a plug for our special in August. All so right. look for it on CNN. What, what's the <laughs> thesis or can you not say? I can't, or I can't, you can't say. say. Yeah. You're going to well, have to watch. I wanted to talk about that later, but let's talk about it now. I mean, one of the things that you do here that I think is unique um, to news is you do do these like kind of long format documentaries. And, you know, obviously the one that I like the most is The Last Heart Attack. Oh, yeah. It's a which is, you know, which that okay. had, you know, the ramifications from that program were enormous. 
And, you know, he, it's, it's not like, um, I mean, that story had been swirling around and I kind of feel like other news stations were too scared to touch it. You know really? what I mean? Like, Is that what you think? Well, because Why do I you think, think they were scared because, whoops, I kicked my mic. Um, because it still is, you're still going out on a limb to say, to sort of advocate this plant-based diet. You oh, know I what see. I mean? The plant-based controversy. And especially with mm-hmm. an advertiser base, like if you are, you know, if you have dairy products being, aver- you know, you're going to, it's going to be displeasing well, to that. And well, so, I see what you mean. And other, you know, nobody else really covered this Bill Clinton going vegan thing. Really, I mean, it might've made a headline here or right. there, but nobody said, Hey, what's really going on here? Right. And let's People like, thought talk, he was sick. Yeah. Let's talk to this. Let's talk to Dr. Esselstyn. Let's talk yeah. to these guys. And really, I mean, even, um, even Dr. Oz, who is very progressive in many of his views and kind of gets grief for it <laughs> from time to time. I mean, he had them on, uh, he had all those plant-based doctors on and Rip Esselstyn and all those people. But even at the end of the program, he kind of backpedaled a little bit and said, well, you know, you want to make sure, you know, if you're going to do this, you better be careful, you know, sort of like a, I almost felt like the network told him he had to say something like that. So I I thought that it was quite courageous that Mm. you guys did that story and did it in like a really bold manner and gave it, you know, the, the breadth and the width that it deserved. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, the goal of our documentaries, um, obviously we're always seeking the truth. Um, we, we are, um, you know, our mission is to, you know, Sanjay goes on these journeys, like he's going to be, he's doing with weed. He went out to find out everything he could find out about marijuana. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, you know, with, um, you know, with basically heart disease, you know, why is heart disease killing so many people and, um, and, and what can be done about it? And there is scientific, you know, he's Sanjay Gupta MD is a scientist Mm -hmm. and he is, he's an, he's a brain surgeon and he um, went about his mission, you know, looking for answers as to how, um, you know, how one of the most famous, famous, excuse me, heart patients in the world was, you know, dealing with, dealing it. with it. And yeah. that was former President Bill Clinton and who um, maybe people know, you know, um, Sanjay was a White House fellow during the Clinton administration and worked for Mrs. Clinton um, as well. So, um, you know. And also it- – Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he asked to be Surgeon General? Yes, by but by Obama. Yes, right. he was. Well, he was. Um, yes, he was asked um, to, uh, be, you know, consider the um, the appointment of Surgeon General, mm-hmm. and um, and he chose um, to, to to stay in his he current didn't lifestyle. Leave, he didn't want to leave his Ronnie. <laughs> no, I don't think I, I was even here then. <laughs> That's very. That's funny of you to say that. Um, no, that was before Ronnie. <laughs> uh-huh. But. Um, you know, it's funny when uh, when you are asked to be Surgeon General, he found out you can't practice surgery. So interesting. Yeah. So I think um, at the height of his career, um, at the time he was asked um, to stop practicing surgery, um, I've heard him say that you know perhaps that um, it wasn't the right timing. It was, mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously quite quite an honor. But right. but um yeah but but the um but the plant based diet um you know aspects of that um, documentary. I mean. The woman who reversed her heart disease um, through, you know, her vegan diet. I mean, the, the facts are there. When uh, right. you know, when when you have doctors showing you, um, you know, arteries that have been, you know, yeah, the, angi- them. the angiograms, right. you know, basically they're they're indisputable. Right, so. exactly. So the science is there, and um, um, a lot of us, you know, you know, tr- 
played around with our diets and, uh, you know, altered our own thinking. And um, I think it's, I think it was a really, it had a high impact and that's what we want to move the needle, you know, hopefully right. for people to have healthier lives. That's, that's our mission. Our, our, our mission statement is, you know, there's something going on in the world, you know, um, that can help you, you know, we as journalists, you know, medical correspondents and medical journalists know it and we want you to know it too. Mm-hmm. And that's really, um, really the most um, powerful thing that we can deliver to, um, to the people who are, um, are, are wa- reading CNN.com or watching CNN on all its multi-platforms. Right. And uh, it's heavy. You have a heavy job. There's a lot of responsibility to the public and, and, you know, within your department, I would imagine to deliver. I mean, it's no small thing. It's an honor, I have to yeah. say. You know, I've had a lot mm-hmm. of different jobs in my career, and this is um, this is um, a very honorable position to be in to be able to g- deliver this kind of content with the kinds of professionals that I work with. You know, er- on the entire staff, um, we have people in Atlanta and Washington and um, here in New York. These are these are the the greatest medical journalists you know mm-hmm. that you could you could ever ask to work with, and they've taught me a lot. I don't come from a medical background, and um, your I've background really is is te- television. television. You've had a right. lot of high level television positions right. at various networks and right. shows over the years. But obviously, I'm passionate about this mm-hmm. topic, so it was kind of like a neat fit when it right. kind of came my way by accident. That kind right. of thing. So, what's a day in the life like? We'll get into, I want to get into the balancing and the the training and all of that, but just at work, like, you know, essentially you're Sanjay's boss. You're the, you're the one who's sort of organizing every, I mean, (laughs) you're the director of the unit, right? So what is it, what does that mean? Like, tell me what that means. Um, I, um, I oversee, um, you know, the team, um, I'm responsible for, um, the output of the content in terms of, you know, what, you know, what direction we may be going on on a day. I mean, I have a lot of senior um, level people who I work very closely with and who, you know, are very, very, very open and honest about their points of view, which is really helpful to help, you know, guide. Um, but you sort so the stories are coming in and you help sort out, we're going to cover this, we're not going to cover that, or let's put more focus right. on well, this. Well, you know, there are journals that come out every week that, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics and JAMA and... Um, you know, they're on and on and on. Lots of journals that regularly come out, and and um, we have a gal on our staff. Her name's Miriam Falco. Actually, this year she's celebrating her twentieth anniversary at CNN, and she's mm-hmm. um, she is the, the 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 professional that I go to for the facts. You know, we call her Dr. Falco. She's not an MD, but she plays one on TV uh-huh. <laughs> behind the scenes. But she's amazing, and um, uh, you know, ever since uh, the beginning, I you know I. Her her breadth of experience and um, whatnot has really um, been, you know, huge benefit to this company because, uh, you know, she will go through these studies and say, that's a good study. That's not a good study. It's only in mice, you know, mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, hasn't been tested in humans, et cetera. So, so I have a lot of guidance from, um, you know, different people on the staff um, for the regular reports that come in. And we Put, push them out to the shows and say, we think this is important to cover. Um, right, you for know, the longer leads. For the longer right. leads, exactly. For the couple of days <clears> in advance. <throat> but on when you say a day in the life, I mean, there are scheduled meetings that go on here, editorial meetings and futures meetings and whatnot, but things happen on a dime, as you mm-hmm. witnessed. Yeah. And so 
anything can happen in, on any min- at any minute of any day. We work 24-7. Um, we do have vacation time. And when we're on vacation, we're on vacation. And people substitute for us and take over for us. And um, Tim Langmaid is... Um, you know, you know, my deputy on, uh, on all things that are, you know, management and editorial and whatnot. And he's phenomenal. And so he covers for me. And, um, if he's not around, then, you know, I've got, um, you know, we've got Miriam and we've got Jen- Jennifer Bixler and Caleb Hellerman. These are, you know, the seniors on the team who, um, I have come to rely on very heavily. And, and then we have amazing staffers that are, um, you know, brilliant at what they do. Danielle Delordo travels all over the world mm. as Sanjay's senior She's producer. She's amazing. Amazing. And you worked with yeah, her in Of course. In, in She's California. the best. She's amazing. Sure. And then Ben Tinker, who puts together Sanjay Gupta, MD, and he's great. So, you know, I know that by me mentioning names and not mentioning all the names, I'm going to get right. killed for this. Yeah. But... Um, Matt Sloan is the other one. <laughs> Matt, Caitlin, Trish, Caitlin. Nadia. Yeah. Um, You're you know, in big trouble now. I am in huge <laughs> Huge trouble. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. But um, anyway, um, you know, the point being is that breaking news happens. We react to it. Um, we figure out what, you know, what the angles are that we need to get across as quickly as possible. Like right now, um, the, you know, coronavirus, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, is something that we're looking at really carefully. This is a SARS-like virus um, that has killed, um, I think, four people as of this date right now as we're speaking. Right. Um, but this is something that we need to pay attention to and see if it's going to become one of these pandemics or, you know, uh, you know, a contagion of some sort um, that we need to send Sanjay and Danielle, jump on a plane, go, you know, and, and go mm-hmm. to the, the um, in region which has been infected. And how is the World Health Organization responding to this? How is the CDC working with the World Health Organization? That sort of thing. So, you know, if something is happening in the world and it's going to affect your health, you need to pay attention to what, you know, Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Elizabeth Cohen, our senior medical correspondent, um, you know, are going to be reporting on, right. on, on all things, um, um, you know, important that, right. that are vital to, you know, us keeping people healthy and safe, basically. Mm-hmm. And after that description, I'm having a hard time imagining how you have any free time whatsoever, let alone enough time to train for a triathlon and let, and, and to be a wife and a mother. And, you know, how do you, how is it possible that you can, I mean, people are always saying, well, you know, I, I would do that if I had, you know, but I don't have that free, that kind of free time. And I echoing something you said before, I share this sensibility that if you are determined to take control of your health and and take stock in yourself that you can find the time that we all waste time you know there's all there's ways of finding greater efficiency in how you conduct your your day um but somebody with your job and that kind of responsibility i mean you're taking it to a new level like how do you work it in well i don't have babies anymore Mm -hmm. so that's one thing i mean my kids are 15 and 19 um and so um they can take care of themselves. And one of the goals of our- See you later. Mom's going. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. One, one of the goals- Here's the takeout menu. <laughs> <laughs> one of, here's a couple of apples and some, yeah. and some cucumbers. Um, uh, you know, one of the goals of, of my husband and, my, and, and our raising our kids is that, you know, they can rely on themselves to a certain extent that, that you know, that they are, um, 
that that they know that they have themselves. And so, you know, we don't leave them without food in the house, obviously. But, uh, you know, wait, it's, explain. That's interesting. Explain that a little more fully. Well, I, I want them to always know that in a pinch, they have themselves to rely on, that they don't that, you know, the only person that's going to save them. They're not relying on you to do everything for them. Well, well absolutely not relying on us. If they, they're self-sufficient. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we take care of them on every level that we, you know, that we that right. we are, you know. So you drive them. you drive them out to the desert and you <laughs> d- drop them off in their underwear with twenty dollars and say, "Find your way home." Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what we do. And uh, you know, these I mean, they're 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 amazing kids. They have grown up um, to be really. Um, you know, maybe part of it is growing up in New York City. You know, you, you kind of grow mm-hmm. up a little faster and you're a little bit more self-reliant. You got to learn how to manage the subways and the buses and all street that sort of savvy. thing. So when I, they're street, they're, they're street smart, you know. So when I say that, take care of yourselves, I mean, it's, it's that sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, go and figure out, you know, I mean, things that your parents should be figuring, helping you figure out. But, but, but nonetheless, I, oh, you're backpedaling. I, I'm going to get so, <laughs> I am going to get such hate mail yeah. on this. It's like, but, um, no, I think that's really important. And that's something I'm trying to instill in my children, uh, is, you know, to be like the greatest thing a kid can have is their own internal motor and their sense it, of self exactly. and be self-driven, self-directed and to take responsibility for their decisions and their choices. And, and as a parent, you have to instill that and you have to empower them to do that. And sometimes that means challenging them or saying, you know, no, I'm not going to do that for you. You figure it out, come back and I'll help you or, or what have you. I mean, I think that's effective parenting. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, when it came down to, you know, my daughter, what was she going to do um, for her, you know, her summer between, you know, freshman and sophomore year, it was basically, you know, you have to find a job. I mean, we're not going to find a job for you. You mm-hmm. need to find a job. And if you want an internship doing something special, you need to, fi- you need to figure it out. We'll help you, you know, and guide you and whatnot, but you, you need to figure out what you want. Take responsibility Take for responsibility that. for yeah. what you want and what are your passions. And so that's sort of where I'm, where I'm going with all of this. And so, because, you know, we got, kind of got off the track, but you're talking about independence, but because, I have maybe a little bit more free time now than when they were little. Um, I'm able to get up at 4.30 in the morning and get myself together and get out the door by 5.20 and get to, you know, Central Park at 72nd Street, Transverse, and, mm-hmm. you know, meet the team and go for a ride from 5.45 to 7.15. That's that's something, you know, that is in my schedule. Right. You know, the, the, the and swimming. And you're making the choice to get up at 4.30. Yeah. You know, I, know. So. I am. I'm definitely not getting enough sleep. Right. <laughs> it seemed fine to me. Well, you know, I you think, have plenty of energy. I, I think that I think that the energy is also channeled to the things that. Um, well, let's face it. You know, you know, exercise gives you more energy. Yeah. Even if you're like super uber tired. Right. I mean, it how doesn't many, deplete me. It it fortifies exactly. Me. And how many how many times have you gotten like two hours sleep before a race? Oh, and you do just all fine. The time. Yeah. Right. Because you have to be up at three in the morning and you're going to sleep maybe after you get organized at 11 or 1130. And then by the time you're excited and your adrenaline's going and by the time you fall asleep, it's midnight. And then you've slept from like midnight to three. That happens a lot. Right. And I'm also more efficient and more focused in what I'm doing. So there's this weird inverse relationship, although it takes time to do the workout, especially cycling. Cycling takes up so much time. But but then I'm so much more focused in whatever task I'm doing later 
that I end up getting it done more efficiently and more effectively than had I just blown the workout off and and then I'm kind of meandering around through you know again it goes back to structure and and kind of creating those guideposts to keep you self-directed exactly and 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 I have felt that um it's not it seems like I have more time to 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 focus on the most important things um, even though I'm packing more more things in, it's weird. It's like mm-hmm. it's like there's there's the um, the budgeting of time. You know, it's very it seems to be um, religious almost in a way that you're right. able to really figure out what you're doing at which time. And you you know, the worst thing for me is exercising at night. I can't. I, that mm-hmm. does not happen for me. I oh, can't. I can't do it either. I've got to get it done in the morning. Yeah. And there, are, there have been times when, obviously, if there's breaking news or something, and I can't go, and I can't, you know, you have to blow it off, and then you just, you know, but because it's not my profession, the sport of triathlon is. I'm not, an, I'm not a professional triathlete, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's not, it's not going to to hurt me in a way that's, you know, at the end no, of the day, no, it's about it's about improving your life, not disrupting it. You know, right. of course, you have pressures. You're not always going to, you know, you set up the structure. These are my workouts. Something intervenes, like you know, life life intervenes. That's the way it works. I mean, and then you you can't flog yourself or judge yourself. You just move on. I mean, I am. I have a love affair with with triathlon. There's no question, and I am. And you are neurotic. I, I remember when we when we were in Malibu doing the swim clinic before the Malibu triathlon, and you're in the wetsuit, and and I was gonna, I was helping out with a cup with Chrissy was there, and we we're like gonna do a little like how do you get in Chrissy and out Wellington. of the water, and yeah, and you're like you were asking a million questions. I was like Ronnie, calm down. You've done this a million times. You know what you're doing. You don't I need never, I never swum you know? in, in, in swam in that those kinds of uh, those those kind of breaker waves before. I'd never yeah. I'd never done the dolphin dives through these giant you know surfer waves before. So it, that was mm-hmm. new to me. I mean, there's always these new things, and I, you know, and I was uh, I was I was in uncharted waters, as no. they say. Yeah, but so it was a you know it was a you know it was a little scary. I'd like to be prepared and like to know. But great. the the thing that I wanted to say is like the whole thing with the love affair of triathlon is like, I want everybody to be exposed to this. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so that's kind of where the whole fit nation program, you know, kind of came about. And I, right. you know, I, uh, I just think that, I mean, I've seen so many people's lives change through it and it makes me so happy, not just staff members that we work with, but, um, you know, um, John Bonifield and William Hudson are Elizabeth's producers, Elizabeth Cohen's producers, and they, um, you know, both did, you know, triathlon with us. And I mean, the joy in their faces and watching them train and just, I, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's so rewarding, you know, to mm-hmm. see people and, and have them feel good about themselves and the Fit Nation six pack, the ones in right. Malibu that we were talking about, um, seeing these people lives transformed, they're now, they're now. So well, before we get years. too into it, yeah, yeah, I want, I want, let's, let's back up a little bit. I mean, Fit Nation is your baby, right? This well, was your- Fit Nation was in existence before I came. Um, but the triathlon challenge was the that's thing that part, I, right, that, that, you that, brought was, to it. that was what I brought to And it. that's been going on for four how many years? years, four years now. So explain to somebody who's listening and might not be familiar with what Fit Nation is, what it is exactly. So, um, 
Fit Nation was a program, as I said, that was started before, and it was um, a health initiative with Sanjay and um, and Matt, and uh, I'm sure a bunch of other people who I'm not exactly, you know, um, T- Tim Langmade was involved in that, is you know, etc. And a lot of people were um, taking, you know, Sanjay was going around the country and whatnot. And then, um, what is the next reiteration of this? fantastic program that, you know, you're bringing awareness to diet, nutrition, and exercise. And they were putting on races in different places and whatnot. So, um, or they were taking part with different races. Um, And so because of my love affair with triathlon, I was like, well, how about if we maybe make it the Fit Nation Triathlon Challenge? And um, it was convincing Sanjay to (laughs) become a triathlete. That was the most (laughs) important. Do I have to do this too? (laughs) He, um, I caught him on a plane. He tells a funny story that, you know, he was like kind of on a plane and they was making him, they asking him to shut off his phone, shut off his phone, turn down. And I said, well, will will you do it? Will you do the, will you do the triathlon? He goes, okay, okay. And I had no idea. Only because he was trying to get you off the phone. (laughs) And so from then on, we just like literally green light go. (laughs) And so, um, the the, the uh, Fit Nation Triathlon Challenge was born, and we asked people to send in their eye reports as to why they would want to do it. And we picked a group of six. We called them the Six Pack. And, you know, everybody has finished the race over the past three completed years. This is now the fourth year that we're doing it. And right. we take people from all over the country. So the eye reports, people submit videos mm-hmm. and a testimonial as mm-hmm. to why they should be selected to be part of this team right. that you're going to kind of um, provide uh, supervision and resources to, to and help coaching them. Yeah. And these and are mentors. people that are, that are, you know, coming from all walks of life, have their all have their own kind of challenges Story. and personal stories, stories and mm-hmm. why they want to, you know, try to do a triathlon for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then you create these human interest stories around, you know, what they're doing and right. let them blog and talk about it on right. your website. And uh, and you have these training camps and mm-hmm. you get them gear and coaching and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yep. And, and you're with them for a year. Mm-hmm. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. And uh, and it and it becomes a family kind of, a you know, its own family and they support each other. And um, um, April um, uh, Berkey is um, Galatly Berkey is um, our 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 athletic director slash, mm-hmm. you know, coach. And, um, and, um, she is a, a pro triathlete. She's actually racing, um, Ironman Texas tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have cool. to, we have to like give her a big shout out. All April's right, nice. awesome. Uh, yeah, and, April's uh, awesome. April's That's awesome. Right. That's her Twitter, right? That's her April's Twitter awesome. account. Yep. And so, uh, maybe by the time this airs, she'll have already race, she right? She'll have done it. Yeah. She'll this have done it. won't go up till next week. So. Okay. So, um, you know, obviously she's chasing, um, Kona. She wants to be a pro in Kona and we are all like her biggest fans and her uh-huh. biggest cheerleading base. And she's amazing and, um, has created a, an incredible program for the, um, the, the, the six pack and, um, they, uh, she keeps track of all their workouts and, you know, she has a great saying, which safety first, which I abide by all mm-hmm. the time. Now I'm, if I'm coming down a really fast hill and I think, Oh boy, a little too fast. You know, I kind of try to make sure I have control of that bike. You know, it's really important. So, um, um, the program has been wildly successful and, um, you know, we've, uh, we, we, we love it. We love it. And we hope that, um, it, it's infectious to other people to help other people think about things that they never thought that they could do. Right. I mean, this is a, this is, you know, if you just go on, you know, our Fit Nation 
um, website and, and see. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for people that Great. can go to the site. And, yeah, and, they can and, see who the, the right. latest six-pack is. They're incredible. So last year I had the, the honor of playing a small part when you guys came to Malibu of trying to help out a little bit um, and got to meet, you know, everybody. And, and, to, and I was there at the finish line when uh, to watch all of them finish. And it was exactly, you know, kind of what you related when you did your first triathlon. I mean, they were over the moon, you know, like so excited that they were able to complete this thing that, that to them seemed like going to the moon. Yeah, right. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And um, some of them actually have, you know, I mean, really many of them have adopted and adapted this lifestyle where they're doing like half irons, um, um, we're racing Augusta, Georgia, Ironman and uh-huh. the 70.3 on September 29th with a bunch of uh, alumni, including oh, cool. uh, Denise Costelli, who is uh, from the Challenged right. Athletes Foundation. Right, right, right. Um, and who I swam with in Malibu, who lost her um, leg um, in a very, very serious softball incident mm-hmm. where she had broken her leg. And um, Try hard, Denise. Try hard, right, Denise. Yeah. Twitter at Try hard, Denise. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and she's an amazing athlete. Um, so we're going to do that with a bunch of a bunch of us, and that's going to be you know another time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see these people who had never done anything like that before now do a half Iron Man, and I'm going to be with them you know, by their side and racing with them that it's going to be, and I I am anticipating it to be like almost like this motherly high, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That these are my ducklings and now they they have gone off and they're... You lit the spark that, you know, sent them off on this journey. I'm so excited. I'm really excited. And, um... What are, what are, um, some of the people from this year's crop? Like, what are their, some of their stories and um, things that they're dealing with? They, um, well, they, um, one of them is, um, is a, a woman who's a, a warden at a prison and she's retiring and she's sort of giving herself a gift of, um, of, of, of fitness. And, um, you know, she has surprised herself in terms of like how much she loves, loves biking and loves the sport. Like she loves it. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and it's. It's amazing. Um, and she's in her 50s. Um, you know, there's, um, you, know, uh, you know, people who are, um, got, got, you know, a guy who um, had, you know, a massive heart attack very young on the, you know, sidelines at a Notre Dame game. game and, um, you know, he died several times and came back. And, wow. um, you know, he's, um, um, you know, has to keep track of his, his, heart, his heart rate now. Um, He's, um, you know, you know, has a new life now because now he has, you know, a sport that he, you know, can jump back into. Um, and um, another gal who um, was on her own journey prior to um, coming to us where she was, um, you know, looking for a large weight loss. She was, um, I think she was over 300 pounds mm-hmm. and she was doing her own weight loss program. And, um, and then she kind of came to us and, um, you know, now is, uh, completed her first half, half marathon as she's been training, um, with us. She'll, she'll do her first triathlon, um, in September with us. But, um, you know, she's a remarkable person and she's already lost 160 pounds. Ugh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So, I mean. 160 pounds. Yeah. So she's completely transformed her life too. And I, and I say she started her journey before, um, before we met her this right. year, but, but it's, I think, I think it's really, um, I think it's really been, um, 
you know, a, a great a goal for her to set as she's mm-hmm. been, you know, it's a, it's a long time to, um, to be on, you know, a journey like that. Right. So, so, and, and they all support each other. That's just three of the six, but they all support each other in remarkable ways, um, where they want each other as every group did in the past, they want each other to succeed. And if, something becomes difficult, you know, they jump on the phone with each other. And, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, um, calls that are scheduled calls where we all kind of talk and discuss things that have been working and not working and getting their garments working and things right. when they got their bikes and, um, you know, and milestones just, when they, the first time they ran two miles and didn't stop and didn't mm-hmm. walk, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, that right, are really, right. you know, huge milestones for huge, people. Huge. Yeah. Didn't you just have a training camp or something? Yes, like we did. Yeah. We just yeah. came back from Florida last week. Right. We were in um, the Claremont area where they have the National Training Center swim swim center where mm-hmm. I think Olympians train at, mm-hmm. and that pool is pretty spectacular. And so they um, they swam, they biked, they ran, and then at the end of the week it was a full week. And at the end of the week we did a kind of a mock mini sprint to have them put all the parts together so that they know that they actually can do it. And every, it was so hot, so hot. And every single one of them completed it. And um, they swam, yep, they swam in this huge lake. And um, and then they biked um, around the lake. And then they ran, um, you know, know, three something, 3.2 miles, something like that. Um, um, And uh, they all completed it. And... um, you know, we're just cheering yeah. like it's the Olympics. You know, it's, it's <laughs> and the ra- is, is the race again going to be the Malibu one yes. or you're yes. doing that again? Yes, cool. we're doing Malibu right, again. Right. And we have people from the staff doing it. We have um, alumni coming back from other Fit Nation yeah. years doing it. Um, of course, Sanjay. Um, and um, it's uh, it's really um, it's 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 a very celebratory and very special experience for people and you know we often talk about diet and health and fitness and lifestyle and whatever and the fact that we actually get to practice what we preach is 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 really a gift mm-hmm. it's really a gift and um and um i hope it's a gift that we can keep giving to people um you know here especially even here at the company they have the fit nation program at time warner now which is really exciting so yeah time warner kind of company-wide has their own Mm -hmm. teams and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff they do so it's really it's amazing that the company has um you know endorsed a healthy lifestyle through fitness it's fantastic i mean it's unbelievable so we're very lucky yeah very lucky well fit nation is inspiring you're inspiring a lot of people and you're doing great work and anybody who's interested in learning more about triathlon, I mean, obviously they can learn about it through you, but they can also, you know, as we said, you know, jump on the website and um, and next year, um, hopefully, um, you know, we'll be continuing it. And in September, um, if this there, if it's somebody who's like has it on their you know bucket list or they want to try it out or whatever, they've never done it. The one requirement is you have never been able to do a triathlon. You've never done right. a triathlon before. And um, then they send in their eye reports. Send those videos in. Right, exactly. And then, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we... We, you know, we, 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 through them. we, like we a do, we do, festival. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there are screeners. so many great people, but yeah. we can only, you know, pick six right. for, um, you know, reasons, many reasons, obviously, but, um, you know, there's, um, there are a lot of people out there who have a passion to want to 
uh, you know, change their lifestyle. And that's mm-hmm. something that takes a lot of mental, it's mental, right? We always talk about it. This well, is a mental t- sport. It takes courage. Right. You know. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And just when you think you're not going to be able to do it, you know, you kind of have to psych each other like an Alcatraz. Right. <laughs> it was pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ronnie just did the, uh, the Alcatraz, um, Escape, triathlon escape, escape from, Alcatraz. from Alcatraz, which usually is held during the warmer months, but because of the America's Cup coming to San Francisco, they pushed it to when? When was it? In March third. In March, which you know I've swum in that bay, and in March, it was. Freezing. It's not. Yeah, I've done a lot of open water swimming. Um, the only time I've ever really been freaked out has been in the middle of that bay doing that oh, Alcatraz swim because wow. it's. Well, it's freaky because there's currents yeah. and it's really cold and you can kind of smell the oil and the gas from the barges and, and you can see the Golden Gate Bridge out there and it's foggy and it's very ominous and yeah. like disorienting and you can, and the water's so dark, you can't see anything. So Right. And on this particular <clears throat> day with the water being 50 degrees, which is pretty mind That's and very, body numbing. That's very, very cold. Yeah. And um, the, the seas were like this. I mean, they were like, they were... I mean, there's, there are great videos on yeah. YouTube. Um, if you, if you just look them up, Alcatraz 2013, I mean, I, the kayaks were dipping in and out of these waves and, um, it was a tough, it was a tough swim. It's really, it's tough when it's calm. And I think what people don't realize is they time the swim right at the slack current. So it's, you know, the, the water in the San Francisco Bay is either moving inwards or moving outwards. And there's like a half an hour period Sorry. where it's kind of in between those two things. Yeah. And they try to time the swim for that. Um, so the faster swimmers can kind of cut through that and blaze to the finish. But the slower ones, the slower you are, the worse it is because then the current starts to go out again. Mm-hmm. And and then they start picking up swimmers who, you know, are climbing ashore down by Safeway, which is like way down the coast. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's um, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and that's why I think. Um, I mean, you have to. I guess you have to. Excuse me. Qualify for um, the race. Mm-hmm. In some ways, you have to. You know, have t- special times, or whatever. I, um, I I remember I got a, an email um, from you know after the Westchester Triathlon last year. I got an email, and this race had been on my bucket list. I wanted to do this. I always right. had wanted to do this race. One of the great and, races, exactly. Yeah. And you know, you qualified, and I think it had to be based on my swim because the rest of my race wasn't anything yeah. to scream about. But um, <laughs> I think um, once I got it, I was so excited. I literally sent in my registration and. I I didn't even look at the date. Like I just assumed it was the same as well, it is every yeah. other year. Well, why would why would you assume I, otherwise? I was so excited. I sent it in, and then somebody said to me, "You know that race is in freezing cold water in March." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I just sent in my deposit, yeah. my money, <laughs> and at that point, it was all mental. And I tried. To, I took ice baths before the race, oh, wow. like to try to get my body. Like, what is it going to feel like? Like what? Like I tried mm. to take cold showers. I mean, where was I going to train? Really, you know. Yeah. So, um, but the smartest thing that anybody can do if they ever consider that race, whether it's in March or June or May, whatever, is to, um, they have an amazing program the day before where you can go out and do a, um, you know, do jump in the, the, the San Francisco Bay with these professional, um, you know, um, swim people who know the bay like the back of their hands. And, you know, um, I, I was able to take that little, uh, clinic. And that I think that was a lifesaver. That's smart. I yeah. mean, we're seeing this crazy sort of uptick in 
and people dying in triathlons, you know, and, yeah. and it's always in the swim. And, uh, you know, it's having, reper- I mean, aside from the obvious, you know, tragic nature of that, um, you know, the impact on triathlon, you're seeing it already. Like anytime there's anything weird with the water, they cancel the swim or, you know, the insurance rates I'm sure are through the roof and, uh, and, um, it's making it harder and harder, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I think anybody, you know, everybody should explore those kinds of things if you're uncertain about the swim. I mean, I think, I think it's that, 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 um, you know, lack of experience and, and the kind of anxiety and, and rush that comes with being in a race that gets people freaked out or they're panicking or have, you know, these anxiety attacks that lead to these problems. Absolutely. And I have had those anxiety attacks, um, even after lots of experience and it can just come upon you and you don't even know why it's happening. Like I could be literally Mm -hmm. fine running into the water or at a water start. And then maybe, I don't know, a hundred yards into the swim, something kind of comes over me or whatever, or somebody like puts their hand over my head and pushes my head underwater. Anything can happen. And you just, all of a sudden your heart rate shoots up and then you have to use your intellect to kind of get back in the groove again and calm right. yourself down or flip on your back or whatever the techniques are. if you're in a panic are. state, you don't, you don't have experience with how to do that, how right. to calm yourself down, how to control your breathing, you know. That's right. You know, and if you're in a wetsuit, it's like you're, you're not going to sink. You know, roll on your back, catch your breath, you know, take a moment uh, and try to collect your, you know, your body. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, it is, it is, um, you know, a very scary thing to have happen. And, um, when you go into any kind of panic mode like that and, uh, um, and, and you have to be just really smart about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and you have to, you, you know, you have to train and, and, and hope and hope for the best, you know, that, that something, you know, that you don't have some, you know, kind of underlying health issue that you don't know about. Right. Um, and, um, and that, you know, things are going to be okay. So, um, you know, it is, it has, it has become a, um, you know, kind of a, a big issue in the sport that, um, the, you know, I guess the USAT is looking into yeah. pretty carefully. I would imagine so, they are. Yeah. But you escaped, you escaped from Alcatraz and now you got a big, uh, Grand Fondo coming up. Is that this weekend? Yes, that's this weekend. Actually, yeah. I have my packet here. I just picked it up before our, our little meeting. I have my my shirt. The, the color of Grand Fondo is this lime green, black, and uh, white jersey. Oh, it's cool. And um, it's... <laughs> I'm going to make you put that on and we're going to take a picture after okay. this. Okay. All right. We'll do that. <laughs> and then they have these really cool... You showed me you got number 23 for this and I asked well, you if you were the Michael Jordan of Cycling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I have 23 is because I'm um, part of the Hometown Challenge um, racers, which means um, I raised money for this particular event for the Challenged Athletes Foundation, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, cool. I fully support and I think is an important cause. Um, but the cool thing is um, they give you these license plates. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> which you put on the front of your bikes. Uh-huh. And they're the timing chips. Oh, that's so cool. this is So you don't wear a timing chip on your ankle. You just put this on the front of the bike. And oh, then when great. you go over certain things, I guess there's they, they time certain parts of the race or whatever. Um, but right. um, that's kind of a cool thing. And um, and they give you a bottle of wine too, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> well, that's the grand grand fondo spirit. I mean, these grand fondos, which are now 
popping up all over the place, which I think are really great because they're hun- they're hundred mile plus rides, but yeah. but they're not races. They're sort of experiences where you go and you take your time, and they have these rest stops, and they always have amazing food, and it's very festive. And, yes, and they're fun. You it's know, celebratory, really fun. and I'm um, riding with my team, Lipstick Girls. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to meet at five forty five and head over to the starting line, which is um, at the George Washington Bridge on the lower level. So anybody um, who was trying to get over the GW Bridge this coming Sunday, yeah. <laughs> beware. <laughs> they Find will have a new route. They they will be rerouted. Um, but um, and there's a couple thousand people doing it. So cool. um, it's uh, it's 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 cool. It's a very, very cool, cool event. And and I'm I'm like one of those people. I always like to be part of a big crowd. You know, it's yeah. like if there's a concert happening in Central Park, I want to be like at the event. I want to be uh-huh. at the, like the scene. You know, it's like I love. I'm not obviously. To live in New York City, you have to like crowds. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay. that's um, for sure. So I just love being a part of a part of the action. Cool. And if somebody wants to find out more about the, your fundraising, is there like a site where they can, uh, can um, contribute? Or yeah, I um, boy, um, I um, I I tweet I tweeted out. You so do? yeah, okay. so um, if um, you know, at Ronnie Selig is my Twitter. Yeah, R O N I S E L I G. Um, and, uh, if you kind of look back, um, I, I put a link to it and, um, all right, well, if you email me the link, I'll put it in the show oh, notes. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really great. Yeah. It's for a really good cause. It's for $1,500. We can buy a prosthetic leg yeah, for, cool. um, a challenged athlete, mm-hmm. you know, one of those runner's legs. And yeah. that's kind of cool. And, and challenge that. I mean, they do such an amazing job. You know, they, they literally hook up those people mm-hmm. with like incredible prosthetics mm-hmm. and get them active again. And yeah, you know, it's a, I mean, it's it gave Denise Castelli a new life. Right. I mean, you know, one of her the quotes, I'm not speaking out of school because she said this on TV, but, you know, she said to Sanjay that, you know, after her after she lost her leg in her 20s. You know, she said, I don't know if anybody will ever love me again. Mm. And it was so poignant and so touching. And to see Denise racing and to be with her um, just is, is it's so beautiful and it's so exhilarating and inspiring that, um, you know, it just gives you so much joy. So, um, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, when... Um, you know, this horrible situation with the Boston Marathon happening, you know, um, you know, the, the people that were most, you know, you know, significantly and um, horribly injured, you know, they were the people on the sidelines. But you and I know we go to those races mm-hmm. and any that could have been us and whether or not they were running in the in the Boston Marathon or they were just on the sidelines. I mean, you know, we don't know what they're you know, what their dreams were, if they wanted to ever run a race or whatnot. I mean, right. you know, supporting other people. So oh, please. And the young boy who, you know, just well, didn't. well, what I was getting at was that, you know, the challenged athletes foundation, you know, an organization like right. that can be a significant life changing and life altering, um, you know, wonderful lifeline, lifeline, exactly mm-hmm. for your future. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, maybe people in the sidelines were people that were supporting other people, but now maybe it could be within their reach to run a 10K mm-hmm. or a 5K or something like that or, 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 you know, or ride a bike again, that kind of thing. So if, you know, if they had, you know, an amputation or something. So, you know, my point is that the technology is there, you know, people need resources and they need help and um, it's up to us 
to provide that safety net and those resources. And so in any way that we can help do that, I think it's, it's, it's a responsibility that we all have. So right. that's why I, um, that's why I'm a, a big fan of that particular organization. Beautifully put. I think we can, uh, we can wrap it up with that. Okay. I can't think of a better bookend. Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Rich. My <laughs> first you. podcast. I, I hope I didn't disappoint you. It was you. cool, right? Okay. Do we do okay? I hope so. <laughs> I was nervous. I, I was nervous to interview a real journalist. Oh, no. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> oh, no. You know? I hope CNN is still on the air without you manning the, uh, the booth. They're fine. So to speak. So <laughs> we got to get you back to work. Thank you, Rich. All right. Thanks so much for being on okay. the show, Ronnie. All right. I'll see you okay. in Malibu. All right. Peace. Peace. Let's. Yeah.